Hello, and welcome back to the Sustainable Brown Girl podcast. This show exists to connect Black, Brown, and Indigenous women who are interested in sustainability. Our goal is to inspire, encourage, and educate each other. From gardening, to thrifting, to minimalism, to veganism, and everywhere in between. We are all on a journey to taking care of our bodies and our planet. I'm your host, Ariel Green. If you keep up with the news on the state of Earth's environment, you've probably heard that the climate is steadily rising. In fact, since the late 19th century, before the Industrial Revolution, the Earth's temperature has already risen two degrees Fahrenheit, according to NASA. And if we do nothing to slow it, Earth's temperature is on track to rise another 1.5 degrees Celsius or 3 degrees Fahrenheit by 2050. The warming temperatures means that the ocean is warming and causing ice caps to melt, which will lead to increased sea levels, meaning that our coastal cities could eventually be underwater. And actually, I was just reading that Indonesia is looking to move their capital of Jakarta away from the coast in the coming years because of the rising sea levels. So what causes temperatures to rise? Well, one of the biggest factors is the release of greenhouse gases into the atmosphere, such as carbon dioxide, which comes from fossil fuels, such as oil, gas, and coal. Climate change is a multifold complex issue with many causes and effects. It's not quite linear, but it's all related. So it is a global crisis that the entire world must work together to face. So in today's episode, we'll be talking with our guest, Gwen Lind, an environmental scientist, about what steps are being taken to address climate change. But first, we have to read a review from one of our podcast listeners. This one comes from Lady T24, titled Love This. It reads, the host has a relaxing presence. I find this informative without being preachy, and I'm getting a better understanding of things to do to become more sustainable. <laughs> Thank you so much for the review, and I'm so glad that this podcast is helping you along your sustainability journey. To have your review featured on an upcoming episode, be sure to head over to iTunes and leave a review letting me know why you love this podcast. All right, now back to the show. Today's featured sustainable brown girl is Gwen Lin, founder of In a Green Minute Environmental Safety Science Consultant. Having traveled throughout Europe and China as an environmental observer, Gwen has a deep understanding for our environment both domestically and internationally. Her areas of expertise include worker safety, including COVID-19 and respirators, as well as air, water, soil monitoring, and emerging green technology. Thank you so much for joining us today, Gwen. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Yay. All right, so let's jump right into um, your journey how, and how you became interested in sustainability. Um, sure. I guess I became interested in sustainability by default. I am an environmental scientist, and even though that's what I did academically, 
I still think that taking care of the earth is something that we all want. We all want clean air, clean water, clean soil, clean food. And in order to you know, continue us to be healthy, as well as animals and plants, we're all living species, we have to adapt some type of sustainable living. And sustainability is simply focusing on, on your needs so that future generations will have those same needs met. You wanna be sustainable, you want to keep going. And um, we can do that uh, socially, uh, by not littering, uh, economically, by you know, electric vehicles and things like that, as well as environmentally, as I said before, by um, focusing on air issues, water issues, soil issues, things of that nature. So I'm kind of a sustainable person by default, but I do try to do it within my personal life also. Yeah. So will you tell us about your background, like what you studied in school and what you've done for work? Sure. Um, I wanted to be a doctor. However, <laughs> those 4.08 averages didn't quite come my way. So I ended up centering into science. Environmental science was what I majored in my bachelor's degree at Rutgers University, go RU. And I got my master's degree at um, Hunter College, which is a part of City University of New York. And it's a dual master's. It's environmental science and occupational health or worker safety. So that's pretty much, I do both. I do environmental science, which is the clean air, clean water, as well as safety or worker safety. And um, that, that's basically what I've been doing. I opened up In a Green Minute, which is the name of my company, to try and advance those forces. As you well know, uh, there aren't that many environmental scientists who look like myself. I'm female, I'm black, I usually have braids in my hair. Um, and I, I wanted to, to try and, you know, propel us if I could and bring more females that look like ourselves into the system. Representation is so important because you know the issues that we're dealing with and then also with inspiring other people to also pursue um, a job in your field that maybe they wouldn't have thought about before. So it's so important. Right, right. Um, I also saw on your Instagram that you've done work with Greenpeace. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, um, every year, well, when I was in the city, right now I'm in Florida during the pandemic with my mom, but I'm usually working up in New York and New Jersey. And every year I do a music fundraiser, usually around Earth Day, as well um, as planting flowers in New York City, again, on the same day, usually around Earth Day. And I just volunteered for, with them, just like anybody else in New York City. And I thought it was a great group, extremely diverse. We had college kids, we had senior citizens. I absolutely loved it. I love the New York City chapter. And um, in fact, I was able to write for them in Greenpeace Legacy just last year. So I hope I get a oh. chance to write for them again. But Greenpeace is a, a well-known, reputable group. I mean, they're international. Um, they're in many states here in the United States, but not every state. I wish they were in every state, but they're also in, you know, they're worldwide, they're international. I mean, their, their claim to fame was stopping some of the, um, I think it was the whaling that was going on in uh, up around the North Pole, around Alaska or whatever. And, you know, many Greenpeace people, activists got arrested. They were okay. They, they you know, they were bailed out or whatever, but Greenpeace is, is um, 
they do the job. They get the job done. And I hope when we get back to norm normalcy, I'll be able to work with New York again because that's a good group and, and they really go out and try and focus with the people and talk to the people. I love Greenpeace. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That sounds like a great opportunity and hopefully you can work with them more. Yeah. So one of the things that I really wanted to talk to you about today, Gwen, is the UN Sustainable Development Goals. So for anyone who hasn't heard of these UN SDGs, as they're called, in 2015, the UN defined 17 goals, which are basically a call to action for all countries around the world. And these goals will promote prosperity while protecting the planet. A few of these goals include ending poverty and hunger, better education, clean water and energy, and reducing inequality. Um, we're going to talk about some more of them um, in detail, but I want to get your opinion on this, Gwen. So the UN set a date of 2030 to achieve these goals. And to most of us, um, it probably sounds ambition, ambitious, but with the rate of economic inequality, inequality and natural disasters growing, we really have no choice but to escalate solving these issues. So what's your take on it? Yeah, pretty much the same. Um, people say to me all the time, oh, we're not gonna be able to do this. Oh, we're not gonna be able to do that. And I'm like, well, you know what? We really don't have a choice. Yeah. We really don't have a choice. We don't want to have our backs to the wall. And the way I like to say it is either we do this is the easy way or we're going to do it the hard way. Either way, it's going to get done. So do you want to have seven feet of water in your living room through floods or a fire lapping at your door? Either way, it's going to get done. So yeah, with the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, the UN proposed this extremely ambitious system where the countries can have all of these goals, there's 17, and they can you know, work on each of them. And the first benchmark is 2030, with the next one, I think, being 2050. And another way to think about the SDGs is they're also called um, desired targets or desired outcomes. And like you said, there's uh, no hunger, there's zero poverty. Um, we were talking about this, so I wrote up a little list, uh, the clean water, sanitation, climate action, uh, what love on land, love, excuse me, life on land, life below water. And they use the hashtag Envision 2030, which I absolutely love. Envision 2030, which is right around the corner. I mean, it sounds really far away, but it's only in nine years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've lost a bit of time under the Trump administration. However, we're going to have to try and make up that time. And I think with the United States more closely involved now on the international scale, when it comes to these SDGs, these sustainable development goals, I think that will in some ways um, fine tune what we need to do and get everybody else in the race, you know, get everybody else. And it is a race and may the best man or woman win. But however, when one wins, we all win. And that and that's the great thing about the SDGs. I, I'm really happy to be learning more about them. Hopefully I'll get a chance to be involved more with them. But every little thing you do helps. So like like this podcast. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about um, a few of them um, and maybe what they mean and perhaps some actions that we can take to meet those goals. So the first one we'll talk about is goal number three, 
which is good health and well-being. This is to ensure healthy lives and promote well-being for all at all ages. So can you give us some more, a little bit more information about what that means and how we can achieve that? Sure, I like that one because that's one that we can all do. Good health and well-being. Um, Shanna Ferrigno, she is a friend from LA that I interviewed uh, for my podcast and also the daughter of Lou Ferrigno, the Incredible Hulk. She has a company called Ferrigno Fit and she goes out, she works out a lot, she's always in nature and I've always admired her because she's able to take that, those actions and relay it to you and me. She's not going out that much now because she's about to expect twins. But, um, and I always, I, again, I always just love that part about her of going out. And even with, I have one of my masks here, even with well-being, something is, as simple as smiling or laughing. I mean, you can tell yeah. if I'm smiling. You can, or, yeah. You know, if I'm angry at somebody, and that's one thing that I try and do, even with strangers, I try and smile because that makes me feel better and it makes the other person feel better, even if it's underneath a mask. Um, I have the advantage, well, not the, the honor, really, of partnering with a company, uh, Mothers and Others, for clean air. And they go out and they advocate for things like clean air because, you know, we all know we need clean air, but no one's really doing anything about it. And that's one of the basic things that you want for good health, including clean water. You know all about the, the Flint, Michigan. I'm sure you heard about the, yeah. the lead contamination, uh, that whole situation that's up there. Mm -hmm. Thank goodness now two people have been charged. But it's something that simple that can throw your hot, whole life. And, and 12 people, I think, died as a result of that. Wow. So when it comes to good health and well-being, that's extremely important. And again, that's something that we can all do. We can all take charge of for ourselves. Definitely. So eating better foods, exercising, and also ensuring hopefully that you can have um, access to clean air and water. Yes. Right? Okay. Yes. So the next goal is goal number six, which kind of is a continuation of this. This is for clean water and sanitation. Ensure availability and sustainable management of water and sanitation for all. Can you tell yeah. us more about that? That's a big one. Um, clean water and sanitation. Let me see, there's, some, there's a few diseases, some big ones. Colloid dysentery and one of the hepatitis they are all passed via bad sanitation and bad water. So, you know, especially now during coronavirus, we're often asked to keep washing our hands. Of course, we can use hand sanitizer, but hand washing with soap and water is much more effective to get your hands as clean as they can be. So clean water and sanitation, I always think about, you know, areas in Ghana or areas um, even, trying to think, even, I mean, even in my lifetime, my grandmother didn't have um, a working bathroom inside the house. We had mm -hmm. an outhouse, mm -hmm. okay? They got a house, I mean, a bathroom inside the house in the 70s, but it just goes to show you sometimes it's not always accessible to all. And that is one thing that I think the UN is striving to do is to make sure these extremely basic things that we need to sustain ourselves as humans are, are accessible to all. I even think about um, 
I can't remember exactly where it was, but it was a school, a girl's school in Africa and they didn't have an indoor bathroom. And you know, girls, we have on the time of the month, right. And we need to have access to clean water. Of course we'll yeah. make do, we gotta do whatever we gotta do, but it's much better. And I remember when they got that, that indoor bathroom, it was a beautiful thing and it was good for the girls because you know what they were doing? When they had their one week period, they were staying home. Mm-hmm. And, and the girls Missing shouldn't school. do that if they, if they didn't have to. Right. You know? so clean, clean water and sanitation is definitely a necessity. And I'm glad the UN picked up on that. Exactly. Yeah, because from you know our standpoint, of course, we live in America and for most people, we have access to clean air and water. And we don't always think about how these other developing countries don't have access and how it can affect us too, you know? So seeing people in India living on these rivers that have trash running through it, you know, you think that it's just bad for them, but it's bad for everyone because those also lead to the ocean and it can, you know, mess up the water system for everyone. So it is important for not just the first world countries, but also the developing countries to have access to those um, necessities as well. And on that note, you know, I've always said there's, um, I think there's seven major gyres, G-Y-R-E, where the the plastic floats in the ocean. Mm -hmm. And well, Unfortunately for them, I don't know if you want to say fortunately for us, but a lot of them are in the the, uh, Indian Ocean. So they have to deal with this on that side of the world. And a lot of it might be our plastic and Europe's plastic, Africa's plastic that's floating out there. If those gyres existed on the East or the West Coast, then we would deal with it, you know, because we'd be seeing it, but we don't. However, it does exist. And what I always say is what goes around comes around. Eventually Mm -hmm. it will somehow impact us. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we already see plastic in our fish and, you know, yeah. all that stuff. So it, it is definitely affecting us, but we don't visually see it. Correct. Um, okay. The next goal we can talk about is goal number seven, which is affordable and clean energy. This is to ensure access to affordable, reliable, sustainable, and modern energy for all. So what can you tell us about that one? Yeah, that, that's another good one. And that's one that I'm thinking as we go along here in America, we'll get more used to that terminology and more used to that technology. Um, I remember when I went to Europe and I flew, I flew from from here, obviously, over to France and looking at all of the, I could see the wind turbine farms and the solar energy farms. And I was, I was astounded. I was like, oh my God. And then when I got to Germany, I asked my friend, I was like, why is there so much here? I see so many on the homes, so many solar energy farms. He's like, well, Gwen, Andrea Merkel, uh, 10 years ago or whatever, the prime minister or the president there, she went out and she did like a tax incentive for businesses and residences. If you put these things up, we will pay you or pay you back or, you know, what, however they worked it out. So there was a financial advantage and we haven't gotten there yet. Hopefully with these initiatives and with the new um, government administration that we have, and we will get to that point, but we just haven't gotten there yet. I mean, one of my favorite cars in the world is Tesla. I love electric vehicles. They're just too expensive. They're too expensive for the average Joe Schmo. I know Elon Musk is working on it. And I know there's um, 
a few versions that are coming out that I think, not with Tesla, I think with another manufacturer that is starting around 20,000, which is a bit more, you know, easier for the average person to try and afford. So that that's one of my things too, as I, as I go around talking with different people and, and manufacturers and distributors, when it comes to sustainable brands and products, they have to be affordable. If you know, you're selling something and it's great that it's made out of reused plastic or whatever, but the average person can't afford it, what good is it? You know? So so that that's a, a big thing on my list. And I'm I'm glad we're talking about it today. Yes, exactly. Affordability is so important because the more people that can jump on board, the quicker that we're able to get to our goals. Exactly. And the more people, the, the more people that buy it and use that surface, the lower the price goes. Yeah, so that's true. Kind of work hand in hand. Exactly. Um, I think I saw somewhere that GM is looking to um, offer uh, several different options for electric, ve- electric vehicles, and they're looking to phase out their um, gas vehicles too within I want to say by like 2025, but definitely by 2030. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember seeing that too. And I think mm-hmm. I think uh, Joe Biden said that that the GM are the ones that provide the federal vehicles, uh-huh. so that's why it's a little easier for them to go that route with them directly. But okay. yeah, the more that that come out, the more the easier it will, you know, the easier it will be, and the cheaper it will get. I, I love green technology. Yes. And um, on the note of solar and wind technology, I remember I went to Colorado a few years ago and they, a lot of people had solar on their houses. And I do believe I also saw a few solar farms too. So, you know, if we can get, like you said, more initiatives to encourage people to place those farms, then that would be really helpful. Yes. Yes. Agreed. (laughs) All right, next is goal number 11. This is for sustainable cities and communities. Um, This is to make cities and human settlements inclusive, safe, resilient, and sustainable. So what does a sustainable city look like? A sustainable city, I think, looks like, um, let's see, it can be a building, multi-levels, but it has, like we said, solar panels, or maybe it's connected to a wind farm, which is on the edge of the city, or usually a lot of times they put them in water. There'll be lots of green spaces, and in terms of green spaces, like either lawns or even up in New York, they'll put up a green space up in the roof, mm. you know, or they'll have vines growing up, growing up the building. Um, and leads. Leadership and leadership in energy and environmental design. They're with the U.S. Green Building Council. I think they're headquartered in D.C. and I've had a chance to work with them a little bit. I hope to work with them more. But they go out and certify these buildings when they have sustainable design. So that's what a su- sustainable city will look like. Also. Um, I don't know if I, I, I mentioned it to you, to you, you know, via email or whatever before, but when I went to China, yes, I did tell you I went to China. Yeah. It was the first time that I saw a two flush toilet. 
Now, I didn't know what it was, but there was a, a flush on the left and then a flush on the right. And it turns out the one flush on the left is for number one, and the two flush is a little bit stronger for number two. Now, that's called water efficiency. And I was shocked because I'd never seen it in the United States, and this was in China. So things like that you can incorporate in and you know hopefully you'll get recognized by the leads leadership in energy and environmental design maybe not but one thing i can tell you is that um sustainable buildings sustainable uh companies they frequently are resold at a higher value they frequently mm -hmm. get tax incentives another thing that they do is they go out and talk to their tenants about what it is that they're doing and how this is benefiting them. And I think that is really important when it comes to outreach and making people aware that these things were done, whether it's water efficiency, um, energy efficiency, the green spaces that we were talking about, um, letting, the, letting people know that this is what they're doing. And then hopefully they can incorporate that in their lives, even if it's a one flush, two flush, you know what I mean? Exactly. I love those toilets. <laughs> I know, right? It's really clever. <laughs> so I think also too, you mentioned at one point when we were talking previously about San Francisco, have they started implementing some sustainable city practices? Well, there's a few, Portland, San Francisco, as well as Atlanta. Mm -hmm. I know uh, the West Coast is extremely uh, progressive environmentally. Mm -hmm. I mean, for them, it's it's no big deal. I don't know how they got that way, but they did. Um, and yeah, I mean, even Atlanta, I think they're going to, uh, as far as their buses, are going mm -hmm. to electric buses. And there's a few things Atlanta's doing. I can't remember exactly what other than the buses, but there's a, I think Atlanta and San Francisco are going to end up being kind of like your prototype cities. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, you know, the Mercedes Stadium, that's in Atlanta, right? It is. Mercedes-Benz Stadium, that yeah. is recognized by LEEDS. I think they have gold or platinum certification. Wow. And hopefully one day I get a chance to go out there and, and see it even more up close. I've only been there once, but I didn't get a chance to, to really tour it. Yeah, I've been there once too for a soccer game. But I didn't know that they were LEED certified and that they had green technology there. So yeah, I'm like you, we'll have to go and check that out further. Absolutely. Let's go together. Let's do it. That would be awesome. <laughs> All right. Now, the last one I want to talk about is goal 13, which is climate action. This is to take urgent action to combat climate change and its impacts. So do you have any um, ideas on ways that they're going to try to achieve this? I think it was on MSNBC just maybe last week or the week beforehand, I was watching Greta Thunberg and mm -hmm. Michael Mann. I don't know if you, I know you know who Greta Thunberg is. I don't right. know if you don't know who Michael Mann is. He's mm -hmm. a uh, climatologist, a scientist and an author, and he's wrote quite a few books. And the one, the two takeaways that I got from it with respect to climate action is Greta Thunberg kept saying, she said it multiple times during the cast that we are not treating this as a crisis we are not treating this as a crisis. And she just kept saying that over and over and over and over. And the thing that I took from Mike Mann is, um, Professor Mann is he said, climate deniers are on the fringe. And that's a good thing because when, when, when I first initially during my bachelor's learned about environmental science, um, excuse me, learned about climate change, people were laughing at the scientists. They're like, are you kidding? It's 32 degrees outside. There's no such thing as global warming. But now 
20, 30 years later, we see what is actually going on. So climate deniers are not on the fringe. I mean, they're still on the fringe, but most people understand and do believe that climate change is actually happening. And again, the UN is taking it upon themselves to really go into this and really you know, make this predominant in terms of their SDGs. Unfortunately, I do think that even though most people believe in climate change, they, I don't think they understand it yet. And that is one thing that's up to the scientists and even regular people to try and explain to people to bring them into the group. I think it was uh, Patti Smith who, who wrote the song, People Have the Power. And people truly do have the power to make change. And as, as, as long as they understand it and they understand what people are talking about, they have the power and, and we can make that change. So, um, you know, I, I also think about islands like Fiji and even yeah. Hawaii, they're, they're losing their land mm -hmm. and they only have but so much, <laughs> right. you know, but they're losing their land due, due to land erosion. And that is another consequence of climate change. So, you know, and of course, California, there's just so many examples. And again, I think people sometimes get stuck and say, well, what do we do? And my answer is you start small, you start small. And another thing is, um, I think the goal is to keep temperatures down by 1.5. They always say 1.5 centigrade. So you don't want the difference to be over 1.5. So when you hear 1.5 Celsius or centigrade, that equals 2.7 Fahrenheit. Okay. 2.7 Fahrenheit is almost three degrees. And that is huge especially when you talk like 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 freezing at 32 there's yeah. a huge difference between 32 and 35 32 you freeze 35 you don't yeah so again when when you start to talk about this and realize this there's more that we can tell the people in a very easy way but we have to try and do our best because we don't we don't have a choice we have to try Exactly. And like you said, um, climate deniers are on the fringe now. And people are starting to understand at least what climate change means and also kind of see the effects of it. Although, you know, most of us may not experience on a day to day like, oh, this is a effective climate change. But at least you're more familiar with it. And I think that's, um, well, that's definitely one of the goals of this podcast is to um, present this information to people in a easy to understand way and give them tips on how to, you know, help make a difference in their own personal lives. So, Absolutely. and another thing that I use, you can see my, my little, uh, world here, my little yeah. ball. Um, the easiest way to explain climate action, global warming is just the, the mathematical expression. As if, if today it's 70 degrees and tomorrow it's 72 degrees, on the average, it got warmer by two degrees. That's global warming. But climate action is basically the rest of it. So I'm saying, you know, the North Pole, the South Pole, these are both melting. And as they melt, where's that water going? That water's going all across the globe. So my thing is, again, do you want to take action when you have seven feet of water in your living room or there's fire lapping at the back of your door? Hopefully, you know, 
under the guidance of the UN and other, under the guidance of some really cool scientists. Another one is uh, Catherine Hayhoe and Michael Mann and Greta Thunberg. Even though she's not a scientist yet, I'm like, the world is listening to her. If they're listening to her, that's a good thing. I don't care if she's 13 or 14 years old. What difference does it make? But the message is getting across. Exactly. Yeah, just having more people know about it and learn about it is definitely going to make a difference over time. Yes. So you mentioned some of the way or the best way to make a difference is to start small. What are some small changes that people can make? We saw just a few months ago, mm-hmm. vote. Yes. Vote. Necesitamos votar in Spanish. We all need to vote. And if you don't know, ask somebody, ask somebody you trust. I always say, if you really don't know, you can vote for yourself. I mean, (laughs) write yourself, but be counted. Um, That's one thing. Try, the other thing is try to learn as much as you can, even if you're just Googling stuff about SDGs, Sustainable Development Goals. one thing I, I recently, well, I knew it, but I recently learned when it comes to no hunger or no poverty, we waste something like 40% food. So, you know, when mom says, eat all the food on your plate, that's probably coming from an old time saying because there are people starving in the world and we waste a lot of food. Um, that's one thing. Another thing to try and help with climate change, it's a complicated story, but eat less meat. I'm not saying go vegan because not everybody wants to or can go vegan, but I say Mm -hmm. try to eat less meat. We do what? Meatless Mondays on Monday or at least one day a week, Mm -hmm. eat less meat. And that does directly help lower your carbon footprint. Um, Obviously buy locally, things like that. I have one here. I am a big, big proponent of indoor plants. Oh yeah. I really think that this, and, and activities or interactions like this are key for people to understand what we mean about climate action and what we mm-hmm. mean about SDGs. Mm-hmm. You bring a plant in the home, it's green, it's pretty. What does it do? It absorbs, it breathes like I do. And when you breathe out, you breathe out carbon dioxide. That's a C and two oxygens. He does the exact same thing. He emits carbon dioxide and some of that oxygen that are attached to the carbon, they go back into the air, as well as he purifies the air. And to me, this is a direct comparison or parable to the earth. If Mm -hmm. I take care of this plant, it will take care of me. It's a de-stressor, it cleans the air, it puts oxygen back into the air. And it's the same thing with this beautiful globe, our earth. If we take care of the earth, it will take care of us. It's taken this earth millions of years to get to the balancing point that it's at, yet it's taken uh, pre-industrial a couple of hundred years for humans to already have a detrimental effect on this. And this is what the earth is doing. It's symptomatic. It's feeling a little sick. And I'll tell you one thing, um, regardless of how it goes, when it comes to this earth, it will take care of itself, except humans may not be here to see it. Right. So- I'd kind of like to be here. I'd like for my ancestors and our, our you know, future generations to be here, uh-huh. but that, that is what we're looking at because it will take care of itself and it will do what it needs to do, but humans may not be around to experience it. 
Um, yeah. What else can we do? Also, I'm a huge anti-litter nut. Please don't litter. Litter, mm -hmm. it doesn't have anything directly to do with um, sustainability, um, but it does have something to do with our environment because when you litter, even if it's one piece, it, it may decompose, but more than likely it will not, especially if it's plastic. It'll end up more than likely going into a, a water stream like a lake, a river, an ocean. We were talking about gyres earlier. And then if it does decompose, it's gonna decompose in that water stream, fish, turtles, plants, you know, they're gonna end up absorbing it if it decomposes at all, or it's gonna end up in a gyre system or somewhere where we don't want it to end up. And, or if it does end up in a landfill, I think it was China who just recently, I think it was last year, the year before, closed their biggest landfill 25, 25 years early. Wow. Yeah, because it already got packed and they had to close wow. it down. And, and that's why, you know, China's really trying to go non-plastic. At least that's what they're trying to do. You know, they're, they're trying to be a little bit more progressive, but I don't, I don't want that to be any other country or the United States. Our landfills are just over, overflowing and no, no state wants to take anybody else's garbage. So that's another thing that we can do. And um, that's all I can think of. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was great. Yeah, those are some great first steps. Hopefully you're taking notes or listen to the podcast again. <laughs> all right, Gwen, thank you so much for coming on today. Tell everyone where they can find you. Yes, uh, you can find me on social media at In A Green Minute just like in a New York minute, in a green minute, I-N-A-G-R-E-E-N-M-I-N-U-T-E, -E um, or hashtag in a green minute. And um, my name is Gwen Lynn, environmental scientist. Can I tell you about the hoodies that we just got in? Please do. Oh, great. Have a little picture of it. Yeah, I was asked to do some sweatshirts with a hood. And hopefully, if you want one, you can order one. Just Looks let great. me know, as well as uh, in February, in celebration of Black History Month, I'm going to be doing some free consultations on respirators. This oh. is a half face, which I don't think we're going to need, but these are N95s. And so I just want to offer to people, because I've, I've done it already, and people have asked if they have questions on N95s or KN95s or, or using a scarf, um, I can help them out. So I will be offering some, uh, about five minutes, that's all you need, free consultations for February. Just hit me up at In a Green Minute and I'm more than happy to uh, help people out there. Perfect, thank you so much. Please go follow her. She offers some great information on her um, Instagram page. And as we know, she will be doing more in the future, so. Yeah, and all the social media, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, they're all under In a Green Minute. Okay. So let me know how you're doing, guys. And I want to thank you so much for doing this. This is fantastic. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs>
and the health of our bodies. Thanks for listening.